Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine a world where people live with no peace, purpose, love. Imagine a world where people live with no grace or truth. Imagine a world where people are valued based on appearance, accomplishments, amount of belongings, what they can produce, being at the top. Imagine a world where everything came into an existence as an accident. Pain and suffering got the last word. There is no justice for evil. Death is the end of the story. God is considered part of the problem rather than the solution. God might as well be dead. Depressed yet? Depressed yet? Depressed yet? As young people, when we look around the world we live in, sometimes we are tempted to believe this is a story of our world. But we are here to tell you that we have found a reason to believe a different story. When Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near, he was inviting us to believe in a better story. Where God is not done with this world. God can be trusted as our king. Right now. Right now. And Jesus invites us to believe that God isn't the problem with this world. Sin is. And that punk Satan. You see, Jesus didn't come to take all the problems of the world away. Yet. But to give us a reason to trust, hope, love, and live for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. To believe that each person, young and old, from every culture and nation is loved and has infinite value to God, can find peace, joy, and healing for our broken hearts, can find purpose in God's story, can learn to love each other despite our differences, and overcome the power of sin through the power of Christ. And to believe that one day, when our King returns, every knee shall bow, justice will prevail, our tears will be wiped away. Sin, death, and evil will not have the last word. And to those who believe and trust in him as their king, we will know that God is not dead. He is alive and reigning as king forever and ever. Some of our friends ask us, how do you know? How do you know that this story is true? Well, we've got a reason. Well, two. Well, actually a lot. But at the core, we believe Jesus died. He took the evil one's best shot. Because God so loved the world that he didn't want our shame pain and evil to separate us from him and three days later jesus didn't stay dead god raised him to life god raised him to life god raised him to life so have a reason to believe you can trust your pain is not the end of the story you can trust that you are not an accident you are designed by god for a purpose you can trust jesus as your king that god is not dead he is alive 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 and worthy of all of our praise love and devotion. I'm so proud of our young people. I have to tell you that this morning. I'm so encouraged by your faith and so grateful that you're willing to step out and give leadership to our bigger church family as we worship together. And this morning is a great chance for us to reflect on the value of Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God together. And if you don't know, today we're celebrating confirmation with some of our students that are giving their life to Christ and saying that they want to celebrate saying yes to following him with their lives. And one of the things that we ask our students to do in our congregation when they're ready to confirm their faith is to write a faith paper that shares what they've come to believe about Jesus and to come 
and talk about that with some of the leaders of our church. And usually when they come in to do that, they're a little bit nervous at first, but then after they do it, they leave with a bounce in their step, most of them. And I hope they see that they left the people that interviewed them with a bounce in their step. Because when we share our faith in Christ, we encourage each other. We encourage each other that Jesus is alive and that we can trust him. And you guys have made an impact on all the adults that you've shared your faith with so far, and you're going to make an impact on everyone in this room, and you're going to keep making an impact on other people because of your faith in Jesus and what he's done in your life. And I want to encourage you with that this morning and let you know how proud I am of all of you. And in the church, one of our primary tasks is to encourage each other, is it not? To build each other up. Because in this world, sometimes we can feel a little bit discouraged. In the video you just watched, we saw two, uh, two very different ways of seeing the world. A stark contrast between a way of seeing the world where evil and violence and the problems of this world are we're really just left to ourselves to figure out how to find meaning and peace and truth in our lives. Where this world is just a big accident and where God is really left out of the equation or maybe even seen as a part of the problem in this world. And then a different vision of the world, where we see the world through Jesus' eyes. And I think all of us have probably had conversations with people that see the world in the first way that we watched on the video. When you read the line or saw the line, I've been tempted to believe that that is the story of our world. Did anyone else in their heart say, yep, I've been tempted to believe that too? I know I have. When you look around at the world and you see the amount of evil and violence and the suffering that's around us and sometimes that we experience, none of us can escape the problems of this world. It can be a little overwhelming. We can begin to wonder, where is God? Does God care? And does God, can God do anything about the problems in the world that we live in? And maybe if that's where you are today, that you haven't come to believe in God, you're in the same boat with a lot of people. So I think it's becoming more and more common in our world to leave God out of the equation, to see the baggage and the conflict that, the religion, that religion often causes, and not see God as the source of hope or the solution of the world. I remember years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Israel to see the places where Jesus lived and where many of the events and accounts of the Bible happened. And it was an incredible experience. If you ever have a chance to go to Israel, I highly recommend you going. And you see the place where Jesus lived and taught and where he probably died and rose from the dead and the historical places of the Bible. And it's, it's really inspiring. It helps you to connect more with the stories of the Bible in a real way. But while we were there, we were also faced with the reality that while we were at some of the sites, there were planes flying over our heads and we could hear the sounds of bombs and gunfire in the Gaza Strip. That was a little scary. And when we went back to our rooms that night and we were processing the day, reflecting on what we experienced together, I remember having a conversation with another young adventurous couple on the trip. And they were just saying, man, I wish we could do something to help the hurting in that area, the poor that are suffering in the Gaza Strip. And I asked them, I said, well, have you guys ever thought about being missionaries? And they said, I'll never forget their answer. They go, oh, oh no, oh no. We love to help the poor, but religion just causes more problems. We, we, we don't want anything to do with religion. And I assumed that they believed in Jesus because they were on this trip 
to the Holy Land. But really, they saw the baggage that religion caused, and it, it turned them off. They wanted to help the poor, but leave religion out of the equation. And one of the central tasks that we have as a church is to prepare our young people to live out their faith in Christ in this world. In a world that's often antagonistic or confused or apathetic about the idea of God. I bet you have had countless conversations with friends or neighbors who think like those folks that I got to be friends with in Israel. I know I have, even before I became a pastor. But since I've become a pastor, I've had countless conversations with people like that. And I know our students have had conversations with people like that. And if you haven't already, maybe you will when you go to college. Because that's the reality of our world. Missiologists tell us that we live in a post-Christian world. And at the heart of fulfilling the task that Jesus has given us to pass down our faith to the next generation, I believe is reclaiming Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God from beneath the rubble of religion. And on Reformation Day, it's a great day for us to remember that part of our heritage as a Lutheran church is from one man who said there's a higher authority than religion. And he stood against the church of his time to refocus the church on the power of Jesus Christ himself, on the, his vision for life and what Jesus had done to bring people back into direct relationship with God. And that's our heritage, and that's what we need to reclaim is Jesus' vision for the kingdom of God because when we see Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God, we begin to have hope for our hurting world and for our hurting hearts. And you saw that on the video. And over the last few weeks together, as a church family, we've been studying Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God that he often taught through parables. He announced that the kingdom of God is here, and anyone who turned and trusted in him and followed him could be a part of it. And he described what the kingdom was like through stories that people could connect with. And this morning, you heard two really short stories that are very powerful, where Jesus said, when we see the value of the kingdom of God, it's worth giving everything for. I want to read this passage to you again in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 and 46. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field, and then again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value. He went away and sold everything he had and bought it. These stories might sound a little bit strange to us. The, the point is so clear that a child can understand it, that when you see the value of the kingdom of God, it's worth giving everything for. The man didn't see the pearl and say, eh, it's not that big a deal. I think I'll just pass it by and keep living my life the same way. Or, oh, it's a nice pearl. I think, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll come back and, and get that later. He didn't see the, the treasure in the field and say, oh, man, that's a beautiful field. That's a nice treasure. I hope I'm buried next to it when I die. And he didn't say, oh, man, that pearl, that, that might be good for somebody else. I hope they buy it, and I bet it's valuable for them, but I have some other really good things in my life that I'm happy with. 
No, what Jesus said is when he saw the value of that pearl and that treasure hidden in the field, he went home and with great joy and excitement, he sold everything to have it. When we see the value of the kingdom of God, nothing else compares to it. It's worth giving everything for. And the question is why? Why is the kingdom of God that valuable? Was Jesus being a little bit radical here? Well, yeah, he was, because it is that valuable. And I believe that we can spend the rest of our life exploring the value and the meaning of the kingdom of God together. And by the way, that's why we gather every Sunday as a church, to encourage each other to live for the kingdom of God and to ask God to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven through our lives and to encourage and build each other up. And for those who find the kingdom, who enter the kingdom, we will spend an eternity exploring the infinite value of the kingdom of God. But rather than me just telling you my, all of my thoughts about why the kingdom is so valuable, I thought this would be a good Sunday for you to hear from some of our students. And I wish you could hear from all of them. We have 35 students confirming their faith in Christ today. And Friday night, we spent an amazing time sharing testimonies and scriptures together. And I was so proud of each one of you for the way that you shared your faith. But this morning, we're going to watch a short video of four of our students and what they've learned of the value of Jesus in their life. Well, we were talking, I don't know where, but I remember our conversation and she told me that she goes to this church and that this man named Jesus died for her because he loves her and it kind of like blew my mind and how like he could do that and how much love that could take to do that. So you started coming here because your friend Sarah shared her faith in Christ with you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and what have you learned about Jesus since coming here? That he doesn't care if you're different or if you're not pretty or you're not popular in school. He cares about you. Like, he cares how much you love him and how much that you're willing to share that with other people. I was just—I was brought up believing— in God, I knew who he was, I knew who Jesus was, I knew the whole, like, I knew practically every story that, you know, most people know in the Bible. And then it got to around the point of probably first grade. I was told, you know, go share your faith in the world. And it was just recently that I accepted God back into my life and said, yes, I believe this is true. And so, if someone asked you what Jesus means to you, now what would you say? I would say that he is the my best friend, someone I can always turn to. He's never busy, and he just wants to listen to me. The mission trip, for sure, was a big thing. And how did that make a difference in your faith? I don't know. I just felt like I really... I mean, I, I was already, like, giving myself, you know, I knew, like... I am God's, like I, he, he's mine, you know, like I already gave my life to him, but I learned a lot about like the mission work and how Jesus wants to work in us so we can share his love with the world. And that changed my life quite a bit because I feel like my faith has gotten pretty strong and now I'm just really like motivated and excited to share it with other people because I know like 
it has changed my life in very, very big ways, and I'm really excited to see that happen for other people. I'd say I'd go to church, but it wasn't for me. And when people ask me if I go to church, if I'm trying to ask cool, I'd be like, you know, sometimes I'll go to church, but that's really not my thing. But now it's like, yeah, I go to church. I love God. What What's wrong with that? What have you learned about the meaning of Jesus? Like if someone at your school asked you, what does Jesus mean to you? What would you say? Saving. Uh, that I can get up in the morning and know that the weight of sin is not on my shoulders, that I can get up and thinking, you know, if my time comes today, I know exactly where I'm going. Where's that? Heaven. I'm going to heaven. That was so powerful. That was so awesome for you guys to share your faith with us. It's beautiful to listen to your stories, and each one of you has a story to share of what Jesus has done in your life. And one of the things that struck me listening to Josh there is he just said, with such joy, I'm going to heaven. Like, just stop and, like, think about that for a minute. Like, how good of news is that? That our life here is a blip on the radar screen of eternity. And no matter how valuable and important or how much we accomplish in this life, it doesn't compare to being with God, knowing God face-to-face forever in heaven. I recently had the opportunity to speak Uh, a retreat for fifth and sixth graders here at the church. And I was sharing an analogy that I thought they would connect with easily. It was of my childhood hero, Michael Jordan. Anybody ever heard of Michael Jordan before in here? Not all of you. I I brought a picture. This was, I I grew up watching Michael Jordan. He, He like flew through the air and could dunk the ball and just dominated basketball games. I just loved watching Michael Jordan play. And so I assumed that when I shared this analogy about Michael Jordan, that they would all raise their hands and say, oh yeah, I know who that is. No one knew who Michael Jordan was. Not not one of our fifth and sixth graders knew who Michael Jordan was. Because I realized Michael Jordan to them looks like this. (laughs) Michael Jordan's enjoying living in retirement, all right? He's not flying through the air anymore, okay? And one day, Michael Jordan will look like this. And that's a, just a, a, a fake picture of what Michael Jordan could look like towards the end of his life. And the reality is, teenagers don't realize this yet, but each day we live, we're one day closer to the day that we're going to face God ourselves. And the reality is, all of us face death one day. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has come for you. Jesus has come to defeat the power of sin in your life. Jesus has come to defeat the power of death in your life so that you can be with God forever. At the heart of the Reformation was recovering this good news that by no amount of good works can we earn our way to heaven, but Jesus has come to lay down his life for each one of us that we could receive the gift of God, the kingdom of God, by faith in him. The first Christians wrote something really powerful in the Bible through the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter, they described this gift in this way. They said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who though through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Did you hear that? To receive that good news fills our souls with an inexpressible and glorious joy. It's worth giving everything for. And Jesus' kingdom isn't so valuable just because of what it gives us after we die, but for what Jesus gives us right now. He fills our hearts with joy knowing how valuable we are to God. And that's another thing that I'm so glad each one of you is learning and has learned that you matter to God, that God cares about you. He created you, and he loves you. And I wrote down some of the things that you shared from your faith testimonies about some of the ways Jesus has changed your life now. Some of the things you said were this. You said, I know I can always bring to God my problems. I don't have to go through life alone. I know God will always be with me. I know I can turn to Jesus to find joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've found like this family-ish thing here where I belong and I know I'm cared about. I've found a father who will never leave me. Jesus shows me how to love and care for my friends and people that are different than me. Jesus changes our life right here and right now. And I remember those friends that I talked to and made in Israel when I was talking to them about what they thought about God. I had them do just a little thought experiment with me. I said, for a moment, could you just maybe imagine with me that when you went to go and serve the poor and the hurting in that area in the Gaza Strip, that you didn't just bring with you food, but you could introduce them to a person, a really powerful person, who when you left, or maybe one day when you died, that person would stay with them, and, and that person would love them and comfort them by his presence and would teach them wisdom and how to solve their problems. And this person, he was so amazing that he even taught them to love their enemies and pray for those who persecuted them, and that that cycle of violence that they were in because of religion could stop because of the power of this man. And they go, oh, that would be really cool. And I was like, well, that's what it means to be a missionary. It's telling about this person, the God that created heaven and earth, that becomes present in our life. That Jesus came and he died for every person. And he rose from the dead. And now there's no barrier between people and God. That we can receive him as a gift by faith. And he gives us a love for each other that we didn't have before. And as you guys were sharing your stories you encourage me to remember my story because I grew up in church a lot like Josh. It wasn't for me. I was bored out of my mind and, until my football coach cared enough about me to take me to a youth camp where I heard the good news of Jesus. And there were 500 people in the room, but I felt like that speaker was speaking right to me. 
And for the first time, I saw that God cared about me enough that he would lay down his life to die for my sins. And the speaker said, a love like that? You can't just walk away from it. It, it requires a response. And so that night, I just said, Lord, I don't even know what this means, but I want to give my heart to you. You're worth everything to me. And the Holy Spirit came into my life at that moment and gave me a love that I didn't have before. I remember I went home from that camp. I just wanted to tell people about Jesus. And my sister, who I wasn't very nice to before I went to that camp, she looked at me and goes, what happened to you at that camp? And I was like, I found Jesus. She was like, I, want, I, I think I want to go to that camp. I was like, well, he's right here. My sister found Jesus too. And Jesus has changed my family. Jesus has changed the way that I relate to my wife and my kids now. The more that I follow Jesus— the more I see how valuable he is. And if you ask any person in this room from every generation to tell you their story of what Jesus means to them, you'll find that the more you follow Jesus, the more valuable he becomes. That he has next steps for us in response to him. And there'll be times in your life when you feel lonely and hurting and scared. And you'll find Jesus is your refuge and strength in a new way. And you'll talk to adults in this congregation that have found Jesus is the one who's healed their hearts from anger and bitterness and distrust. And you'll talk to adults in this congregation that have found hope in Jesus because their spouse has passed away and they feel alone. You'll f talk to people in this congregation that know that they are loved and welcomed and belonged here, even though they have no common social interest with anyone in this church because of Jesus. When you see Jesus for who he is, you see he's worth everything. And I hope for those of you who are being confirmed this morning— that you feel the power of that, that you feel the joy of giving your heart to the Lord and us celebrating with you this special moment, this special step of faith. And for us adults here in the room, you know what our young people need? They need adults that their hearts are changed by the Lord, that have experienced the joy of the Lord as their strength. And when we're grumpy and when we're bitter and when we're cynical about life, that we turn to Jesus and we find strength in him and in each other. And we have a story to tell of how he has helped our lives. Our, our young people need to hear those stories. I want to encourage you that if you're hurting today, that Jesus is here to comfort you, and you can turn to him. And I think there's a prayer that we could all say this week together. Lord, would you let the joy of your presence be my strength? Or maybe for you, it's, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation to me. I want to encourage you adults to pray those prayers this week. And if you're here and you're maybe just here to support a young person or maybe you've never received that gift of Christ, I want to encourage you that there's no barrier between you and God. That gift is for you right here, right now. And you can turn to him and say, Jesus, you're worth everything. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to receive your presence. I want to know this joy that the scriptures teach of, that you're worth everything. So would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you that you've come from heaven to earth for us and that you've come to save our souls and to bring us into a kingdom that will never end. And Lord, I pray that that would fill our hearts with joy this morning and that we would allow you to change our hearts now to be filled with your love. And I pray for these young people, God, that you would encourage them and for people in every generation that they are the joy of their salvation would be restored. And if there's anyone here right now, Lord, that hasn't ever asked you to be the Lord of their life and you're feeling the Holy Spirit speak to you, you just say, Jesus, I want you. You're worth everything to me because you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.